0: So welcome to A Slice of Orange. I'm here with David Dodson, candidate for Board of Equalization, District 4. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here and for your interest in the Board of Equalization.
0: Absolutely. We're interested in all the ballots. So <laughs> up and down. It's good to be informed. So I'm excited to have you here. Um, and, and let's start with why you're interested in serving on the Board of Equalization, and, and including what it does.
1: Sure, of course. Well, so the Board of Equalization uh, oversees the California's property tax system. Uh, so I've worked at the Board of Equalization for 30 years and run this Southern California office. And this is kind of my life's work. But uh, the main reason I got into this is back in, you know, the Board of Equalization used to be a much larger agency overseeing 5,000 state employees. It uh, administered uh, sales taxes, cigarette taxes, marijuana taxes, and uh, that all changed in 2017 when there was an audit and uh, the lead, it was due to uh, inappropriate political behavior by former board members. So that all changed and uh, the legislature punished the board by taking away most of its duties. However, because the property taxes department was established by constitutional amendment in 1879, they couldn't strip that away. So what was left is four board members and the controller overseeing a department of 200 property taxes uh, appraisers. And that's my department. So uh, people at the assessor's offices and at my department um, back in 2018 contacted me and said, you're the most senior representative of the department in Southern, in the Southern California district. You know, Can you step up and do something to depoliticize the board now that we're just administering this highly technical job? So that motivated me in 2018 and I ran. And uh, as a newcomer to politics, I'd never had an interest in becoming a politician. I'm a public servant. Um, and I, I ran uh, and with almost no money, we came in two percentage points behind the current incumbent in the primary. So I you know, said, OK, well, that's fine. I uh, tried. I didn't win. I won't do it again. And I met with the uh, current incumbent and said, you know, our department's been traumatized. Here's all the things that need to happen. Here's you know, what you need to pay attention to. And, and I, sadly, he wasn't interested in any of that. He enjoys the celebrity, but not the work. And so uh, that's what motivated me back in 2018. And as the uh, term went along, and I witnessed all kinds of you know things happening and not getting done, and disinterest from the board member, I decided I, I have to step up and do it again. I, you know, I want to put my experience to work for for the people of California.
0: Absolutely, and and you know, there's a couple Oops, of things that I'm, I just want to highlight. You lost that because yeah. oh, there we go. We okay? So so there's a couple of things that you said that I that I want to highlight. So first is that the importance of of knowing that when you vote for something on an initiative, it cannot be changed by the legislature for, for better or for worse. And sometimes that causes massive policy complications down the road when we've got unintended consequences. And sometimes it protects what the voters wanted uh, with, you know, the board of equalization in in this instance. And so that's sort of interesting. And um, yeah, the, the idea of, you know, we hear it a lot from candidates who are reluctant candidates uh, that that really feel motivated. Whether it's a school board or a city council, whatever it is, that just they're they're motivated to get involved because they see it from the inside.
1: That's true, and uh, gosh, I mean, it, as far as initiatives, that's a, a Proposition Nineteen is a perfect example. Yeah. So these uh, initiatives are are put out. You know, they pass by. You know, fifty point one percent sometimes. Right. And uh, they have huge implications and they uh, are very hard to change because it needs to be changed by another initiative. So in the case of uh, Proposition 19, you know, this was a proposition that was called the uh, Wildfire and Senior Citizens Relief Act. Right. But what it really did was strip away uh, your property tax rights. So I was on the sidelines, as were many in my department and at the assessor's office, screaming that this is gonna be a problem. You know, We need to take a look at this. Not everything in the bill is bad. But it, you know, from the inside, you see how hard these things are to implement, and how many people that can get hurt. Right. So I was, I was yelling and screaming. You know, please take a look at this. Be careful about considering Prop 19. The incumbent was nowhere to be seen. He didn't even, you know, never spoke of it. Yeah. Paid no attention to it. And uh, when it passed, uh, all of a sudden, people started realizing, you know, what this meant. And I'll, I can talk a little bit about it, but. Uh, but now now that the uh, public is coming out and, and you know in tears saying, look, you ruined our lives, the incumbent right. also now is trying to say, OK, well, let's see what we can do to reverse it. And they can't because it's an initiative. It'll take years right. before they can get it back on the ballot. And probably just 19, uh, you know, traded a little bit of a benefit for seniors that they already mostly had uh, for giving up the right to pass along a family home. To your children you're with the tax base that you have here in orange county and lots of parts of california where homes are millions of dollars that means that the children can end up paying tens of thousands of dollars more every year than their parents and for right. some that's okay but for many it's not and you know i believe that there's value in having multi, you know generational families live in a community and i think that that was something that you know not everybody might agree with it but i think that that was something that was lost by the incumbent not paying attention to the initiative
0: right and 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 I think the problem and and you know one of the reasons I work so hard with the league of women voters to to do initiative uh events and to really inform people is because you can't you can't trust the ads you can't trust what people are selling of why they want it. And Proposition 19 is a great example of that. You know, I think the Los Angeles Times did great investigative work on just a few wealthy people who were really profiting off of that. And and you think, oh, well, you know, Lloyd Bridges kids don't need that huge benefit. And and there's a a couple, but the exception doesn't mean that you change the entire rule. And, and I think that it's really important that our elected officials highlight that. And, and I'm you know really happy to see some of the elected officials that are taking positions on the initiatives on the ballot this time, because I think it does help when you have somebody who reads the actual initiative <laughs> from start to finish instead of just the, the legislative analyst office tries to do a good uh, job. If you actually go to their website, you get a lot of detail, but the ballot summary is not going to tell you everything. And there are so many unintended consequences. And and so can you share a little bit of of the stories you are hearing about that? Because I think it's important Mm -hmm. to understand, you know, that the the demonization of of those who are taking advantage of it doesn't tell the full story.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, Yes, I just want to let everybody know that the board meetings, and it's, you know, they're (laughs) tough to watch because it's not that exciting. But they're all streamed and recorded. So anytime you want to see uh, what's going on at your Board of Equalization, you can go to the website, pull up the meetings, and watch it. This last meeting that we had last month was a meeting uh, addressing uh, people who were having problems with Prop 19. And people were literally crying at the meeting because their lives have been ruined because of the, you know, inattentiveness of uh, the incumbent. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think um, they, that's true. You you know, I mean, most voters aren't going to take the extra steps to read the, the analysis and they're not going to uh, understand all, all the uh, implications yeah. of, and and also how hard it is for the assessors to implement. They're having a difficult time on the flip right. side of trying to provide the uh, other benefits that this bill was supposed to pass. They're backlogged, it's, it's, you know, and we're still writing uh, advisory letters trying to understand exactly what it means. Right. So, you know, I think that it is the job of, of your elected officials to do the work, to understand initiatives and other laws coming down uh, that affect yeah. their uh, jurisdiction and to um, help the public to make that decision and to right. be a, a voice saying, you know, you can make your own choice. Everybody, I respect everybody's Absolutely. Uh, right to vote uh, for whatever they want, but please understand what it is that right. you're voting for and yeah. what it means to yourself and to other to others.
0: Yeah, we had a really great conversation with Rick Foster, who was running for assessor. And that's another office that people just don't pay any attention to. And it turns out that, you know, having somebody really proactive who is willing to engage with the community and do, uh, you know, resident education forums would be really transformational for, for homeowners and and for potential homeowners to get that understanding. So I like shining a little light on that. So let's Absolutely. start with the primary. That, that's when sure. I, I started noticing you. It's a partisan election. So you run as a Democrat or a Republican. So you're a Democrat. The incumbent is a Democrat. Um, so it was down to the wire. It was one of the, the, the you know, really close, close elections that I kept hitting refresh every yeah. day. And my students would check to see what the outcome of that. Because we talked about you know, here in Orange County with the supervisors race, that it's going to be very, very different. If it's Republican Steve Vargas against Democrat Sunny Park for supervisor versus what we ended up with, which is incumbent Doug Chafee, Democrat, running mm-hmm. against Sunny Park Democrat. And the same thing for you. You know, I, I was telling my students, if it's a Republican, it's game over. That yeah. the, the district is Democratic enough yeah. in registration that the incumbent will not have any any challenge really. And so we were really anxious to see if you would make it because we knew that it would at least get a little bit of media attention. Hopefully some of the Democrats would relook at their endorsements. And so you ended up spoiler alert, you ended up winning um, by 13,000 votes out of, out of, you know, 1.6 million total. So it was just neck and neck that it was, was happening. What was that experience like to to just be so close and the roller coaster of You know, those close elections.
1: It's exciting. Uh, It's a nail biter, though, and it's uh, distressing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went through it in 2018, too. It was a very close race in the primary. And um, yeah, we, uh, you know, and I understand that, you know, the Board of Equalization isn't a high priority for most voters. So it really, no matter what you do, it can almost go any way, any which way. So so I was, I benefited hugely from uh, having five Republican opponents dividing up that vote, and they they divided it up almost perfectly so that I was able. To survive uh, there. And, uh, you know, Mr. Schaefer has been a Republican, the incumbent has been a Republican much of his life. Uh, He became a Democrat for back in 2018, or, you know, I'm not sure exactly when, but for this race. So uh, the party uh, had some draconian rules, the California uh, Democratic Party, that they just support their incumbent almost no matter what. And back in 2018, they knew who he was. They would not support him, but that was then. This is now uh you know they uh I went you know went up tried to uh tried to you know compete and uh the you know the part that they just were interested in a, they thought they had their best choice was to go with an incumbent who honestly has a lot, a lot more money, personal money than I have and um you know and I am not known as a huge fundraiser so so that sure. I think that they looked at that too and thought that their chances were better with him but uh but boy, I, you know, I never saw him coming in 2018. None of us were paying any attention to him. We were all paying attention to each other. But since then, I've had the opportunity to, to Google him and just, you know, understand uh, what a s- strange life he's led. And, uh, you know, and also watching the uh, board hearings and, you know, being inside the board of uh during this term, I've realized, uh, you know, it's been a re- rather disastrous. So, so yeah, it was, uh, it's, it, yeah, it's a, uh, it was exciting race and a, uh, and, yeah. you know, I, I it is, I, I refresh and I, you know, you never know. Sure. So I'm excited yeah. to be here though. And I, I think we have a lot of momentum and um, I think that's going to, I think, I and, believe we win.
0: You know, I think a lot of, I, I think a lot of organizations that might endorse are going to wait out the primary when there's an incumbent and then wait and see who the, the safe money was on one of those republicans getting in and 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 i will confess i do not live stream the board of equalization meetings and and watch them um, with bated breath so um I, i'm i'm also guilty of not paying attention to what my representative does but you know that's why local media is so important and, and i do have to give a huge shout out and kudos to orange juice blog um mm-hmm. Greg Diamond and his team, Vern Nelson and others, uh, really have highlighted this race, and I think it's so important because. And and in the show notes, I'll link to to the newspaper articles, um, and I'm going to quote: um, Schaefer has a documented history of being a slumlord, a spouse abuser, a racial troll, and suspended, eventually disbarred from practicing law, and yet the California Democratic Party endorsed him. And, and that is politics, that he's the incumbent, and it's the safe strategic bet to do. But now that you have won the top two primary and will be on the November ballot, you know, how how has that been? And, and, and oh, he also lied about endorsements, <laughs> which I'll link to him claiming oh. endorsements that he did not have, which... You know, the legislature flirted with the idea of making that a crime, but then was like, oh, so few people do it. It's not even worth it. And I'm like, oh, no, it's it's still awful it's and terrible. It. It we can still been. punish the few. Um, but how frustrating has that been for you? To, to and, and and maybe people don't even know that, you know, often you have to compete for endorsements. And so you're interviewed by those organizations, whether it's a part of the Democratic Party or a part of union or trade organizations or chambers of commerce all of those entities that show up as endorsements on websites for campaigns, as well as in the initiative and the sample ballot, that's a process that you have to go through. How frustrating is it to you to to go up against a slumlord, spouse abuser, racial troll and suspended lawyer who's lied about endorsements and still not get their support?
1: Yeah, my heart was broken, to be honest. Uh, But the, um, you know, you got to move on. And, you know, I never expected the delegates, you know, it, the delegates, just like voters, when it comes to the Board of Equalization, I don't see that they uh, pay enough attention to who they're voting for. And uh, and I think that once this happened, a lot of, there was a lot of regret and certainly uh, lots of, you know, so when you aren't endorsed by the California Democratic Party, you lose access to uh, the clubs, which I've been really enjoying the company, met great people out in the clubs and um, the Democratic clubs and, and other clubs. And uh, and you know so that was that was taken away. Many are still you know listening to me and allowing me. And then we're getting uh, endorsements from you know the Young Democrats of Orange County, the the San Diego County Young Democrats, and groups that aren't don't have to necessarily adhere to the strict rules of the party. Mm-hmm. You know, we also you know I just you know I've been you know I've been a union member my whole life, so I I've been uh, able to get the uh, unions to uh, c- come behind my campaign. I've also. Uh, you know, I'm an environmentalist. I've been working with environmental groups. I'm a Coast Guard veteran. So I've been working with veterans groups and, you know, building, building uh, endorsements. And I think if you look at my page compared to my opponent's page, and I have, you know, many, many, many endorsements from all different types of organizations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that, you know, he can claim the California Democratic Party and a few other, a few others, but uh, I don't see that he has a lot of momentum behind, uh, behind him by people who are, you know, paying attention to paying attention to
0: this right and hopefully it'll shine a light and 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 make people question the endorsement process when you have an incredibly flawed candidate um and and and, you know just the the benefit of registration that that and and the size of of the race and and the board of equalization districts is huge it's you know most almost all of southern california all of southern california yes
1: so so they're you know basically it's how many voters yeah, there's a quarter of the state, and yeah. um, it includes all of Orange County, all of San Diego yeah. County, all of Riverside County, all of Imperial County, and a, a portion of San Bernardino County. It it represents about 10 million constituents, of which wow. about three million are voters. So uh, yeah, it, it's it's uh, compared to these other races where I see other candidates I right. enjoy talking to that are you know talking in terms of I need 10,000 votes here or 10, you know, but this you know it's such a large area with lo- so many different interests. You know, in different regions, that uh, it is—you know—it is hard to uh, reach everybody. And you know, I'm not going to be running television ads, or you know, I don't have that kind of money. So right,
0: right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it it it's so huge, and it gives a huge advantage to the incumbent. And and most voters don't know anything about the race, and so I I just think, you know, it, it's a really challenging race when it's low information low interest, most people don't know what you do. Um and and so how do you campaign in that environment?
1: Yeah. So uh gosh, you know, um you, you know we we kind of uh sometimes you feel like you feel a little lonely but but you yeah. know my uh, wife uh, is basically my campaign we're a grassroots campaign. Correct. You know, we started off with no money, you know, literally no money at all and have some now but you know not a whole lot. But we uh but you know she's been my campaign manager and designer and all kinds of things, and so she's done a terrific job, especially with social media, building our uh, building our media platforms. And we've been uh, seeking to you know get as many uh, followers and people interested as yeah. possible. We we try and post every day about goings on and about our you know beliefs and uh, what we can do to help the uh, help Californians. And um, and I continue to travel every night to a different club, a different group, a different interest group and try and explain what I can do for them and what needs to be done and how their property taxes or rights are being eroded. And right. if they are careful, they need, they really need people in there. It's a very strange technical field that- uh I know, you know, a lot of can I know.
0: yeah, yeah. And, and so what kind of, what have you learned? You know, you, you talked a little bit about campaigning with other people and helping yes. to walk doors. You obviously can't walk 10 million no. people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a great. grassroots I mean, uh, campaign that doesn't really work on a grassroots level. When we think no. about grassroots, we're, yes. we're thinking about school board and and city council, where you're knocking yeah. on doors and standing outside Target. Um, that that's not going to reach the the the, the yes. number of people that you need to do. So it's uh, just a real challenge.
1: It is, and the you know, and there's not that many people interested in uh, you know. I mean, they're interested in the governor and the lieutenant governor, and you know, when it comes to the board of equalization. It still yeah. has this vast uh, area to. To reach, But, uh, you know, you're not going to generally not going to have millions of dollars. My opponent is entirely self-funded. I haven't seen that he's received yeah. any donations. And, uh, you know, my donations mostly have come from labor and, uh, and, right. and individuals in small groups. Yeah. But um, but yeah, there's not that much interest by the party or, or parties or yeah. uh, or the do- big donors to because uh, they, they just don't feel it impacts their life enough and uh, they got other ways to spend their money. So that's OK. You know, but uh, but yeah, the reach—it's hard to get the message out, it's and hard I think to get uh, the message out. yeah. So social media has been our biggest uh, biggest plan, and yeah. we're trying to do a few other things, but uh, and also just networking, like you said, I one of the most enjoyable aspects of uh, of running for office is meeting all these great other candidates and seeing them uh speak and listen and see that they're them evolve and and grow stronger mm-hmm. and. Back in 2018, I remember running around with a great group of candidates. And then it's always tragic at the end when half of us lose and you right. just go, gosh, the better person lost. And you know, right. and uh, you know, right. it's, it's, that's part of the process, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the reality a lot of the times. And 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 I often think like, oh, if only everyone I knew, everybody that was voting had met these people, they would see such a clear distinction and difference. Um, and, and so one of the things we're doing at Fullerton College is, is uh, local meet and greet, um, the, the Neighbors United for Fullerton uh, and the Fullerton Observer, our local independent paper, are hosting that. And you've already RSVP'd that you're coming. So I'll invite Thank everyone uh, Monday, October 15th, 530 to 730. Uh, I'll put the link to RSVP to get a parking permit, which is always the the benefit to tell me you're coming because I'll give you a free parking permit. Nice. But yeah, Monday, October seventeenth, and people can actually talk to you and 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 get to know That's a little great. bit more. Um, so, I'm, I'm still not over the the, the devastating uh, turnout for young people in the June election. Um, almost half of the voters were over sixty five, and nice. And, and young people are the largest block of registered voters, and and yet, so so and and so I keep repeating this, you know, like we've done a really good job with step one, getting them registered, we, we've done that check mark, um, but how do we help them become informed and engaged? Um, and, and most most seniors that I know don't know what Board of Equalization is or the Assessor's Office, and so I, I think you know a lot of my students are just feel overwhelmed by the the Absolutely. normity of the ballot. So why should my students care about who wins this election?
1: Yeah. So, gosh, you know, it's so I was I was sad to find as I d- dove more into politics last time that that the young vote is uh, is very inconsistent and usually uh, disappointing. And um, yeah, you no, know, young people have so much to gain by being involved. I mean, it's you look at climate change and uh, affordable housing and things that really affect them. And uh, you know, in the entrenched business interests that uh, fossil fuel industry is, is going to keep politicians in power that keep keep that uh, business model uh, rolling. So, uh, it is a, it definitely of the interest to young people to be engaged and to vote. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, think that, I think you're seeing more of them realize that more and, you know, it's just been a perennial problem in a, and I think that they, you know, it's good that they, that they take a look at, at what they need to do as far as for the board of equalization. I think it it is important because affordable housing is a huge issue. You know, how, uh, you know, there's things that can be done that aren't being done and things that be, can be looked at. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, the next generation will, will be homeowners and they will need to be protected by Prop 13 in order to stay in their homes. And so they need to balance. My
0: students just want to move out. They can't <laughs> afford an apartment. They're, so they they're, the they're apartment. not even looking to own a house. They just want to pay rent. and Which is and, hard too. You know, rent in Orange County yeah. is more than my mortgage.
1: Yes, so. it's crazy. And my my kids too. I have two at uh, 20. 20 yeah. something children. And uh, yeah, it's very difficult. So it is important to, to who is on your board of equalization and who your assessor is and, and that they, you know, and it's very technical. We have to follow a lot of rules, but uh, there are things that can be done. I I'm looking to ideas of maybe expanding the homers exemption to give families uh, an opportunity to compete against investment companies for the very limited stock of housing that's available.
0: Right. right. We're hearing about,
1: uh, you know, investment companies buying up mobile home parks, a, a place where Correct. Where, where, you know, lower income uh, people often live. You also, uh, you know, the family home is one of the- And then raising the rents. Raising the Yes, of course. Yes. And, and, you know, really creating a dangerous situation in an already dangerous environment. And the family home is one of the few avenues working and middle-class families have to build wealth. So, you know, I want to to fight for laws that increase owner-occupied home ownership. You know, I want to fight against loopholes that protect uh, investment companies and uh, others. And so, these are things that you know can be altered to help create a better environment for young people to participate in the housing market and in the rental market, and try yeah. and improve uh, the, these big problems.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. I I so appreciate that. It's been great to talk to you. And so, I end my show with questions. And so, what's the best advice you've ever got?
1: So I thought about that one. Uh, so the uh, you know best advice I ever got was uh, you know is follow your interests. So I remember as a college student, you know, I wanted to be pragmatic. I wanted to, you know, develop a career that I, I could make some money at. And so, you know, I was a business major and, uh, you know, as I found out, accounting wasn't my forte. So, <laughs> <laughs> sure. but I did, uh, but I did find ways to, uh, to, uh, you know, in college, you get the opportunity to explore things that you have no idea, didn't didn't know about. And so I encourage, you know, I and I, I started to do this halfway through my college career. I started to say, okay, I, I got to focus more on what really interests me, and I think that uh, that uh, is good advice because I think we always can uh, can be willing to change course and uh, find find our way find yeah. our pathway. And I think that's important yeah. rather than be locked into some idea that you got to be a you know financial whiz or something.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. What's a book you like to recommend to people?
1: So uh, there's so many uh, interesting books out there about uh, real estate economics and I try to peruse most of them, but I'm just going to fall back on a classic I've read several times and it just, I probably read it for some high school. I like the book, uh, Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck because it, it really combines, a, an economic message and a message about community that is, uh, I think, and it, it kind of ends with a little bit of a hopeful note, you know, and, uh, and I just think, you know, that was a very interesting time economically and, uh, community wise. Mm-hmm. And I think that. Uh, I reread it or watch the movie when I can, to uh, just yeah. remind myself of uh, of how people can get through tough times, and um, and you know the different groups opposing, uh, you know, holding people back. And I think that it's important to try and understand yeah. that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Is there a hopeful message you can share with our listeners?
1: Well, I, I am hopeful. I uh, I think that um, yeah, I, I do think that young people are waking up to the idea that they need to get out and participate. And, you know, in my office, I am so proud of the uh, dedicated professionals that work so hard and pour their heart into the job. And, you know, a lot many people are so cynical of government. And uh, but I got to say, when you're working on the inside, you see so many good people working so hard. Uh, you know, I'm really hopeful that, you know, that will overcome the, yeah. you know, the politicians and the interests that work against the, um, you know, the people of California.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Whenever I see elected officials who, who are disdainful of our, our, you know, our staff and our hardworking public administration. I, I just think like, Oh, you should, you should really job shadow. You should see what they do. You should see how hard they work. Um Yeah. So finally, who should we talk to next? Who have you met on the campaign trail that might be interesting?
1: Well, let's see. I, uh yeah, I met. So two people that I thought were interesting up from uh, your neck of the woods was um was I have a, yeah, Ruthie uh, Hanshed is running for a uh, Florissant School Board. and I've just listened to her speak and thought that she really is a parent and, you know, has, yeah. a, has a good grasp on what she'd like to do. So well, oftentimes I live in the Capistrano School District. Oftentimes there's uh, political motivations by school board members. And uh, so you want to be careful about who you vote for, that they have yeah. the right intentions. Yeah. Another person I've been watching is Ashley Atkin, who is running for uh, Anaheim mayor. And she, again, is somebody who's, who's uh, Anaheim local who just really yeah. cares about her community. And I think that she would be a yeah. good choice. So I don't know, you may have already interviewed him. I, I, I'm sure you will. We, we
0: just we just heard from Ruthie uh, Hansha and Lauren Klatsker talking about Fullerton schools and Ashley Aiken, uh, not under investigation by the FBI. Yes. <laughs> uh, is is going to be on a future show. So yeah, good, that, good. that's great. And and it's nice to know, you know, when you hear, you know, that my perception of somebody that I see on the campaign trail is is shared by so many. Um, I, I think it really is a testament to, their dedication and, and, and their, their passion for public service. So good. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm really looking forward to meeting the students and whoever shows up and I I love the question and answer format, because I could talk about this all day long.
0: Sure. (laughs) Great. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you.